I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. So you're a philosopher? Yes. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast, we think very deeply. A look at the intersection of hip hop and philosophy with Dr. Mark Sanders of the University of North Carolina. My name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. This is Manny Faces, creator, editor, and host of Hip Hop Can Save America, aka the world's smartest hip hop podcast. Now, after the flurry of episodes we released during a semi-daily run in September 2020. And before we start dropping a brand new set of shows starting end of April 2021, I wanted to deliver a few episodes that were in the vault, but that we didn't get to put out during the past year that was a hell of a decade. Even though they were recorded a while ago, they're no less valuable to the goal of preserving, protecting, and promoting the ability of hip-hop music and culture to improve society and uplift humanity. And so I just wanted to make sure we had them on the record. We can call them the Lost Tapes. Now, after I drop those few episodes, expect a slew of brand new conversations with some of the nation's most influential thought leaders that are pushing the hip hop as innovation envelope in areas including education, science and technology, health and wellness, social justice, the fine arts, entrepreneurialism, and much more. You know how we do. For now, please take a moment to share and spread the love. Forward the show or a particular episode to anyone you know who might be interested. And in fact, even to people who wouldn't. I love the idea that this podcast might be able to help convert some non-believers. In addition, if you feel so inclined, you can help support this show and my other hip-hop and social justice-related work via my Patreon page at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. And for an easy way to see what I'm up to, because if you like this, you might like some of that. Visit mannyfaces.com, check out my social channels, and the calendar on the site. Now, please enjoy this episode with Dr. Mark Sanders, Senior Lecturer and Undergraduate Coordinator in the Department of Philosophy at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. 
We actually spoke a year ago now, before all the pandemic madness had fully set in, but it's certainly an evergreen conversation. I hope you find our discussion as enlightening as I did. Here's my talk with Dr. Mark Sanders. All right, Professor Sanders, Mark, thank you for taking some time out to hang out with me today on the show. I appreciate your time and your work. What's uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, thanks for having me. I really enjoy this show and um, I'm honored to be on. Ah, thank you. The honor is mine. I gave a little rundown of who you are, but if you could, please, in your own words, tell us who you are and what you do on a professional level. I teach philosophy at UNC Charlotte. I've been teaching philosophy for a while now. I'm originally from New York, which I think is important to my interest in, in uh, hip hop. I have pretty broad interest in uh, philosophy centered around a lot of American philosophy, social political philosophy, a lot of civic engagement. Mm. And I'm teaching this course on philosophy and hip hop for the first time this semester. So it's, it's pretty um, exciting. I'm very excited to teach it more in uh, the future. Very cool. Yeah, definitely want to get into that. It's one of the reasons, obviously, we, uh, we're connecting. Now, I have a very casual understanding of the field of philosophy as a whole. So you'll excuse the, uh, what might be a couple of banal questions. But when you say you, you teach philosophy, obviously you teach Aside from that, what does like a modern day philosopher do uh, besides teaching just in general terms? You know, what do you or others do? You know, what do you study? What do you research? What do you explore? Yeah, so philosophy is a pretty broad genre, I think. And there's an academic philosophy can be pretty insular. Yeah. And there are many philosophers, I would count myself included, that are interested in what's referred to as public philosophy, trying to make philosophy more mainstream in the sense of making it more understandable to the layperson. You don't have to go to school for 20 years to understand the language and so forth. Hence, hence why I have a very casual understanding of philosophy. Yeah, why <laughs> most people don't. Some people are kind of even frightened by the, the, the very notion. And so the, the idea is that at least philosophers like myself would say that the concepts in philosophy can help us understand everything better. And it's mm. the important aspect that is to make those concepts understandable to everybody. So, and so to engage in a conversation, a dialogue with people, as opposed to just talking to each other about these, these concepts and esoteric ideas. And right. so that's the challenge. Staying in, staying in the ivory tower, so to speak. Yes, ab absolutely. Yeah. So I often try to teach classes that are interdisciplinary in some regard, and I try to reach students who are not philosophy majors. And even the philosophy majors that I have, most of them are not going to go become philosophy professors. And so how can philosophy help them do whatever it is they're going to do, whether it's going to the nonprofit sector, education, journalism, things like that, that that's what I'm always, always focused on. The attempt in public philosophy is to not water it down too much as to lose its, its, its impact, but to make it more accessible. And again, not just to teach people about philosophy, but to engage in a conversation and a dialogue with people with some philosophical understanding and philosophical concepts. Is it sort of to make philosophy accessible, understandable, and show how you could relate to it or it relates to you in different aspects of life? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's, one, that's what I do in my, in my intro course or any upper level course that I teach. I try to explain to students that people are philosophical. Sure. They might not have the, the language to explain it. And it's also for me to get to the level where I can engage in a conversation where you don't have to have a PhD in philosophy to have a philosophical conversation about important and even mundane things. Right. All right. And you mentioned, you say uh, there were fields, I'm a journalist by trade, and you say that, you know, journalism, uh, civics, you know, civic duty, yes. there's, there's aspects of life, social work, yes. there's aspects of life that benefit from someone having a better understanding or a 
a different perspective philosophically or looking at life philosophically. You'd, you'd agree. Yes, absolutely. What, what are some of the things that I would imagine, like, uh, I don't know, uh, empathy, critical thinking, like what are things, what are the direct skill sets that come from having a better understanding of philosophy? Yeah. So critical thinking is definitely like the, the buzzword now. And it's, it's true though, that philosophy can help people understand what critical thinking really is. Mm. And critical thinking is important and no matter what you do. It's important from when you get up and you go about your daily life to whatever job you're doing. So journalism, edu uh, education, uh, civic engagement, anything, you know, being a, a lawyer, right? Anything is, it's important to be able to inquire into things and be able to understand them at a more deep level. And then the trick, I think, is to understand when to kind of pull back, right? And so philosophy can sometimes just keep digging down and down and down and rabbit hole. Yes. And the trick is to engage in the world that you're always kind of looping back. You're, you're, so philosophy, uh, critical thinking from a philosophical perspective is telling you that you want to kind of step back, contemplate things, think about what you're going to do, but then always go back in. Mm. Uh, so it's not, it's not navel gazing. It's not stepping back and just thinking about things. It's always informed by what you actually do in the world, how you engage with people in uh, the world. But that applies to everybody. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it kind of feeds itself in a way, yes. but it lets you go down on an individual path, but also taking these kind of grander perspectives along with you. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. So yeah, we all kind of do that. Yes. But I think, you know, but, but having a, a more structured way of, of looking at it could be very beneficial. I, I get yes. it. Yes. That's what I'd argue. So philosophy of hip hop, mm -hmm. um, you said it's your first time teaching the course. So the course has been around for a little while. No, it's a course that I, in, um, just, Oh, okay. Right? So I work at a, a, a department where I get to teach courses that I can convince the, the chair that are worth, are worth teaching. Uh, and so this is one of those courses that she was happy to, to let me teach. Very cool. So it's nice when that happens. Yes. You know, with this, with this subject matter is often uh, a very difficult road. So I guess what inspired it? Obviously, you know, you're a little bit of a hip hop head and you're, mm -hmm. you know, philosophy professor, so that kind of molding of those two worlds. But, you know, when, when did it kind of coalesce as an idea of, yeah, I should do this? Thinking about it, going back about 15 years ago, there was a book called Hip Hop and Philosophy, Rhyme to Reason, edited by Derek Darby and Tommy Shelby. And that was a book a long time ago that you think, oh, this is an actual thing that you can do. But there wasn't a lot in philosophy and hip hop since then. There's been a lot since then in, in hip-hop studies, so in academic fields. Sure. Um, a lot of them weren't philosophically trained, I guess, or strict philosophy. So, you know, there's a lot of people. Um, well, I was going to say Michael Eric Dyson, but he actually is philosophically trained. <laughs> um, but people like Trisha Rose and Mark Anthony Neal and a bunch of, there's tons more, uh, Mark Lamont Hill. Um, sure. So there was hip-hop studies for a long time. So it's always kind of been in the, the background, but... As I've been teaching now for about 15 years since this book came out, I just had other interests too. And I've always been interested in, in hip hop. It just got to a point recently where I was just ready to kind of try this, to really kind of dig into it and, and try to teach uh, a course. And I realized I had read a bunch of things, but a bunch of things I hadn't read. And in reading things, I realized, oh, there's plenty of material out here. Even if some of it is more historically slanted or some of it's more sociologically slanted, it's, it's philosophically applicable to, the, to what I want to, to do. Got it. And so I was just kind of ready to, to give this um, a shot. And uh, I've also been bolstered, I guess, by engaging in social media about hip hop. So talking to people who I don't know at all about hip hop, most people 
my age or maybe a little bit younger, so I'm even a little bit older, that there are serious conversations that take fun conversations and serious conversations that, that take place. Right. And it kind of gave me the, the, the confidence that, yeah, I, I do kind of know what I'm talking about. I can still learn a lot more from a lot of people, but I was, I was ready um, to do it. And some of those conversations, I mean, you know, obviously we, you know, we have our barbershop talk and top five dead or lives and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But some of them are very, I guess, philosophical, uh, looking at, at hip hop from a holistic viewpoint. Or, yeah. So what is sort of the elevator pitch syllabus for this class? What, what does this class look at specifically or generally? What's the pitch? I can give you one now. I'm not sure I could have given you one when the class started because I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be. Okay. And it's changed a little bit from what I thought it was going to be. But the framework for the, the course is looking at hip hop as redescription in a broad sense. And so what I mean by that is, so, and this is, it's kind of, uh, in general, Richard Schusterman wrote an article called The Fine Art of Rap. Mm. And that kind of puts philosophical analysis of rap in a postmodern context where postmodernism has certain characteristics that lend itself to hip hop. The kind of recycling, appropriation, eclectic mixing of styles, uh, challenging autonomy, a bunch of things that kind of lend itself to studying hip hop seriously. Sure. And for me, uh, Richard Rorty, who's not a philosopher who you would think about connecting to hip hop at all, has a theory about, ph- about philosophy. That philosophy is really just redescriptions. Philosophy is really about a novel telling of, of stories. And this is a big shift in the history of, of philosophy. A lot of people don't buy this at all, that right. uh, if philosophy is the search for truth, is it a search for some absolute unchanging objective truth that if we just look hard enough, we can, we can find? And Rory just kind of says, no, it's not. It was, we do philosophy because it helps us understand the world better, but the only thing we're doing is telling new, interesting stories that connect to people, that resonate with people more. Okay, interesting. So that's a kind of a large framework. And I kind of put that into uh, looking at, at hip hop because in some ways I think that that's what hip hop does. Remixing. It's, it's definitely, it's <laughs> remixing. I mean, so you can trace the whole history, you know, back to, you know, the riots of Western Africa. Sure. And then the actual technology that, that you use in sampling, the kind of taking from R&B and soul and different things and remixing it, but also lyrically telling stories. Again, not all hip hop is doing this, but I think a base of hip hop is MCs writing themselves into history. Right. Uh, and, and so this is not uncommon in, in academics, right? Talking about there are marginalized peoples. How do they come into the, uh, the story? And hip hop is a way in which people write themselves into the story and they are redescribing the past, sometimes on a large scale. You can get really deep and metaphysical like Rakim or people like that, or it can be on, on and it's often in the, in, in the same people on a very localized. So, you know, it's, it's talking about the importance of a place. And so, or hashtag about last night. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. So that's the, the kind of frame that, I'm, that I'm, I'm going for, that, that philosophy can help understand hip-hop as redescription in some basic sense. And then we kind of go down different aspects of that. I guess the only other thing that I would say is the way that I'm teaching this course, and I think I, I like the way it's turned out, is I'm doing kind of two things, an historical analysis, because when I met my students the first week or two, I kind of wanted to know what they wanted to do. And I quickly realized they knew almost nothing about 1977 through 1995. Okay, right. I spent a lot of time kind of not going into too much detail, but saying, okay, well, here are some important things that happened during that time period. Here's, sure. here's how it happened. No historical context. Yeah, historical that. context. Yeah. And hopefully by the second half of the, the, the class, they'll be telling me as much about hip-hop like post-2000 right. as I'm telling them about it. 
part of that chronology is going from the Bronx to the five boroughs to LA to the East Coast to the South and then in the global. So it kind of it spreads out. And I kind of want to talk about what's changed in that happening and hopefully end up talking a little bit about where we are right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, talking about North Carolina and its history and Charlotte, its scene. Sure. Um, so I, that's the way we're, we're going. And I think that's going to work out nicely. Got it. Got it. What have been... So the way I look at, at hip hop and some of the work that I do, I think is trying to translate a lot of the things about hip hop that, you know, that are overlooked or that the general public has a negative perception about or incomplete perception about. So I think that looking at hip hop as a way of life or people who feel connected to hip hop follow sort of a, I guess ethos might be the, the right word, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some ways. And I think that that's extremely valuable. I'm sure teaching a course and, and putting hip hop in the annals of academia is shows that you feel that way too. What about this angle? What about the angle, the connection, the intersection of, of philosophy and hip hop is important for hip hop? So I think it, what's important for for hip hop, I think it's probably more important to philosophy than it is to hip hop. But but what, what's right. what's what's important for for hip hop is it shows that at least in my engagement with the students so so far. It's not a foreign concept to students to engage philosophically with hip hop, even if they don't know the history of it in, in some sense. And they don't know like the four elements, some of them, right? But all the specifics, right? Yeah. It's not foreign to them to engage with hip hop on different levels. And when you talked earlier about it can be tough to teach a course like this in the academy and would you deal with people say, oh, hip hop is just about, you know, it's not music or it's just about uh, drugs and sex or whatever it is. Yeah. In my class, we can analyze songs that on the surface are just about seemingly glorified violence, but very quickly, students can see a level of importance that goes past that. Right. Engaging philosophically with hip hop shows that that is something that students are are already doing. Mm. And so a quick example maybe is we analyze the song Boys in the Hood, written by Ice Cube, performed by Eazy-E. You know, I talked about, oh, if you look at the song sonically and what it's talking about, it has predecessors in PSK and it has uh, and uh, Six in the Morning by ST. And they didn't know sure. about that at all. <laughs> right. But they were very, you know, I was just, and at the time I said, is this an immoral song? Is it immoral? Is it amoral? What is it? Most of them, you know, for the large part said like, no, it's just someone telling their story about what happens in their everyday life. And then I said, but this is exaggerated to some degree, isn't it? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. But that's because, you know, and they, they were kind of ready. They, they didn't shy away. And this is people who are hip hop heads and are not hip hop heads. Right. I, I was going to ask, like, what's, what's kind of like the, you know, demographically or what kind of folks take this course? Yeah, about more than half the students are either philosophy majors or minors, but at least a third are not. Mm. Uh, and I'd say about a half to two thirds have some interest, either a lot of interest or some interest in philosophy and in, in hip hop rather. Yeah. And some are just philosophy students who have not really thought about hip hop at all. Right. Um, but there's not a huge distinction in the ability to engage with the material. Got it. And I was going to, I warn people, you know, at a time, like there's going to be language, going to be stuff that we deal with in this, this, this course, sure. misogyny, homophobia, the, you know, the whole violence, the whole nine. And, it has not, I mean, maybe not surprisingly, it has not phased them at all. Uh, <laughs> right. that they can kind of look at some of these lyrics and say, okay, but this is, and I've found myself pushing a little bit harder, like, well, but come on, isn't there some misogyny in here? Isn't it important? <laughs> and um, we're going to get to a section on kind of women in rap and gender roles. We've talked about it anecdotally. We're going to get to a section in a couple of weeks about that. And that'll be interesting to see if we have real 
arguments because uh, about whether it's important or not, you know, as it promotes certain social aspects of, of the importance of, of the black experience and race in America, yeah. is, it, is it doing damage to gender roles and things like that? And I'm looking forward to having that conversation, but the students seem ready to have that kind of nuanced com- conversation already. It's like you say, we have those conversations yeah, all the yeah, time. It's, yeah. you know, I think it's actually great to do it. it. What you mentioned is like people who aren't really into hip hop. Yeah. It can be frustrating at times and difficult. Just I, I deal with the general public, not a class, you know, class full of students. But again, trying to get you know, people who don't have a, a, a very close connection to hip hop to engage with it on these higher levels, you know, so to speak. I think that's great that whenever somebody who wasn't previously thinking of these things is now thinking of these things. So I like that in general. Do you touch upon any other uh, of the elements, you know, you talked about marginalized voices, you know, finding a way to get their voice heard, writing themselves into history, uh, same way with, you know, graffiti writing and dance even, you know what I mean? Like, do you touch on, on some of those aspects or is it kind of really focused on the literature, so to speak? So when I did the history, I talked about the four elements. I talked about graffiti and the importance of uh, graffiti and dancing, breakdancing to the early history. Dancing was crucial to this, and so was graffiti. Um, but that's kind of just been, we did that and we've kind of moved on and we, we haven't gone back that. It'll be interesting if we go back that at all when we go into the current scene, if dancing and, and graffiti, maybe not graffiti, but graphic arts, if that's an important thing that kind of comes back into play. But we haven't really talked about that. We've focused mostly on emceeing and DJing and mostly on emceeing. We're going to, we've again, we have talked about the importance of the sonic issues. And that's what Trisha Rose talks about that. And so I play them songs. We look at lyrics, but they also, I also play them songs. Right. And so we've talked about the importance of sampling from a kind of philosophical perspective, that, that, that notion, but also just the technology of beat making is something I hope we will get into more as the course mm. progresses, because I do want to look at what does the, the lessening of sampling do to hip hop? If there's less samples in hip hop now, is that just me being an old fogey and saying uh, there should be more sampling? Or right. is there something vital that's, that's lost in it? And that's something I think that, again, most of the students in my class haven't really given too much of a concern about. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation with them. Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. It, you know, it does go back to sound of like purist traditionalist versus yeah. Yeah, new wave or whatever you want to call it. The genre bendingness. Yes. These aren't words, but, you know, of hip hop, uh, you know, music now is in of itself worthy of, of so, sort of discussion, I think, along those lines. Yeah. So, I mean, we've we've talked about what makes something hip hop. We talked about right. when who was it when uh, when Tyler, I guess, won hip hop album of the year or something. And we talked about, like, is this hip hop or not? Right. And not that it's a bad you can like it or not like it. It's just and, does it, and some people said it doesn't matter. You can, you, know, you can call anything hip hop. And I kind of said, well, it's, that's not clearly the case. I can't put out a record of ambient sounds and say it's, 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 it's hip hop, right? So I don't want to be too re- restrictive, but I also want to say, what is there that makes something hip hop? And that's an interesting conversation. What are the crucial elements to it? Yeah. Then that's a kind of a, to me, that's a, that takes some kind of philosophical thinking to, to have that discussion, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, we, and we have that again, as we talk about these generational differences or, you know, the evolution mm-hmm. uh, yes. of, of hip hop. You know, again, sure, musically, but also uh, we were just talking about, you know, b-boying and such. But now that it's sort of uh, international and it's, you know, McDonald's and Red Bull, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the real commodification of it is. And I have talks uh, with, with b-boy folks and you know, b-girls, you know, about is it good for the culture? Is it does it take away from the culture? Does it distort the culture? How does it affect things? Yeah. I think those are philosophical questions in a way. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, and the relationship between hip hop and materialism is an important to have from the very beginning. Sure. Uh, and even, you know, going back to early, you, would, you know, you would say before it became com- commercial, they were repping and sometimes actually getting paid to advertise for certain companies, whether it was, you know, sure. repping Fila or things like that. Or, right. you know, I just went back and saw this whole bunch of St. Ides ads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, again, that's a very niche market. It's not McDonald's. Right. Uh, that's a whole new global thing. But that could be just, oh, that's, that's just the, the evolution. At one point, it was just for a certain market and now it's for everybody. And isn't that good? And I think like all things, there's a mix of good and bad in Right, right, right. To what extent should some of the artists from throughout hip hop be considered philosophers? You know, I, I've I've seen this talk about Jay Z or or Karis One. They sort of are the the philosophical voices of the genre. Is is that fair or is that just over anointing? <laughs> I think it's fair to talk about that. So to me, what's interesting is that there are certain MCs that are philosophical overtly but also simultaneously like kind of manage street cred and it's hard to kind of balance i think you can argue that some people go too far one way or, or the other rakim and Nas, who are two of my favorite mcs definitely come to to, um, to mind and it's it's fascinating to watch them from their first things their, their first albums they are talking about overtly philosophical concepts sure i mean Nas on his first album says i'm an intellectual that's the you know when, when he, was, <laughs> he says this right and there's definitely a, a genre of what people will call conscious rap sure and like maybe a newer and I, I mean you know kendrick is the one that you know everyone yes. probably points to now as being the the current statesman of that kind of philosophical street the whole package yeah and i think there are throughout hip-hop so there are people who do it overtly in some sense like kendrick or or, or like Rick Kim or like karis one but again, I think, I think all hip hop is philosophical to some extent. You can look at it that way, but to analyze philosophical concepts. So when you get back to the academic discipline of philosophy, right, you have these categories of epistemology and ontology and metaphysics, which are fancy words for saying study of knowledge, study of reality, study of being, existence. And again, Rakim, maybe is on the front of my, of my mind, talks about that explicitly, or he talks about, you know, these concepts, what what is real Nas does too and a lot of people do what is real so there's the kind of the social consciousness but also the kind of deeper metaphysical questions that some hip-hop asks there's also um in terms of the the social consciousness i've been fascinated to find out that like none of my students know anything about the five percent nation mm. and how important that is and, and as i look back on it thinking like i did not understand how widespread it was in like 90s new york sure and how many people it touch and so and that is simply a philosophy that's a philosophy that people are expressing in their music but like you said today you can get people like kendrick or cole maybe people like that rhapsody i mean they feel like the rhapsody's last album um sure and and a bajillion people that are yeah, not on yes. the yeah yeah, exactly. And so that's yeah, the other thing is there's mainstream and there's there's underground and where are these things these things happening. So I think throughout his hip hop from the beginning, there's been the commercial success, mainstream stuff, and then there's been more underground stuff. And sometimes they meet, and that's what it's really fascinating when somebody can kind of have successful yeah. popular songs that delve into these deep kind of philosophical issues. Yeah. You expressed that the course has changed a little bit and, and you kind of explained how. How do you see it moving forward? Or are there some things you want to introduce that we haven't talked about that you think you've discovered 
just even recently that would be something you want to expand on? I'm pretty happy with the way the course is turning out. I can kind of assess after the whole course is done. I was reluctant to make it too much of a history of, of philosophy, but I found out that it seemed like it was needed and wanted. Like the students were open to this. Like they wanted, you know, and I keep, I keep asking, like, are you sure? Are you sure? And they're like, yeah, we, you know. In the second half of the course, it's actually designed where the students are in groups are going to report on different periods. So from, I guess, starting in 2001, in three-year periods up to the, the present day, groups are going to report on what was happening in hip-hop in these years, and then through the lens of what we're doing in the course. So for every year or era that we talk about, I kind of just say, these are some important songs, important albums that kind of came out. Um, and then what does it tell us about it? So suddenly we, we see people from are not from New York popping up. And then we see, okay, now in this year, there's almost as many people from the South as there are from the West and, and East Coast that are charting. Uh, but what are they adding to the dollar? Are they distinguishing themselves? Are they doing? And so I'm interested to see how the students can understand that when they report on the years from 2000 to 2019. And I'm interested to see how it goes focusing on the, the local Charlotte region and North Carolina in general. I'm hoping to have some folks in the Charlotte hip hop scene come into the class to talk about their experience, what they think hip hop is and things like that, and have a, a kind of a Q&A. And I've got some interest uh, when I approach some people, some producers and folks that I know in Charlotte, uh, they were super excited to come to uh, the class. They were jumping at the chance. So I'm hoping to turn that into a, something that I do regularly if I get to teach the, uh, the course. That's great. Yeah. That, uh, I guess that authenticity, you know, like you said, everything prior to uh, what we're, what some of us are trying to do was all very highbrow, you know, high level and just bringing people in who are actually of the culture yeah. doing, you know, doing the things, living the life, living the, the ethos, yeah. uh, bringing them in is always, is always a valuable addition. And I, and I should just say, I mean, I you know the people like yourself and, and there's so many people out there doing things that, that make this, Oh, I, I can do this. or this can be, can be done. Whether it's having conferences or having newsletters or, or podcasts, it's, there's so much that's going on out there that I really just became aware of in the last three to four or five years. And so Going back to the story, like I've always thought about teaching philosophy and hip hop, but it's a couple of things that, that have happened, knowing that there's this genuine interest and what I would call scholarship. It might not be journal articles. Uh, some of it is. Some of it's journal articles and books. Some of it is. But some yeah. of it's, you sure. know, recorded. And there's, there's museums that, that they're talking about and that are going to happen in New York. And it's all just very exciting uh, to me. And, and, sure. and, I, and I think it's important, like you said, to keep it authentic, to keep a balance of people in the academy and people who are in and of the culture. And so far that's been done, whether it's at uh, Harvard with what, they, with what they're doing there with the hip hop scholars, where they bring in people like Nas and Premier and, you know, and Ninth Wonder. Like, sure. that's, that's really great. It kind of inspires me to kind of do the little bit that I can. Yeah, no, that's what's up. Uh, it is much appreciated, um, I'm sure, by the local uh, scene as well, because uh, as we say, you know, there's a lot happening that isn't, mm -hmm. yes, you know, on the radio and at the big, you know, Ivy League colleges. If this, you know, it's happening well, so it's, I'm sure it's very well appreciated. We'll wrap with uh, sort of a, a question I, I ask a lot of people. The name of the podcast is "Hip Hop Can Save America," <laughs> which is such a, a lofty uh, concept. And I, I think we need a lot more than just hip hop. But I do think very honestly that the ideas, the ethos, the philosophy of hip hop can lend a lot to the nation and the world. 
So I ask people, I say, you know, in your opinion, just from your experiences, what you do and what you know and, and how you've seen these things play out, why is it so important that we treat hip hop this way, that we bring it into these kind of classes, that we look at it as a way to, I think with philosophy, especially to be able to look at the world in a different way. But I think there's a general idea that this is to improve the world or improve yourself or improve your community. Like you're not just doing it necessarily from a purely mm -hmm. academic way. You're doing it to try to find better ways to live or better ways to see things. So again, how, why is bringing hip hop into those conversations so important and why it could help improve humanity? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And so it is because what you just said, hip hop has and can improve individuals. It can improve communities. It can, it can improve the way that we think about a lot of things. So whether it's something that you can go do yourself, you can go get into the culture in some capacity, or just by being an active listener to what it's doing, that you can see things in it a different, a different way. And opening yourself to alternative perspectives is a crucial aspect of improving the world. Again, a lot more needs to be done. It's not just that, but the stories that hip hop tells and the way that it tells them, if listened to intently, I think can definitely improve communities and on a larger scale too. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And uh, I agree, certainly. And I appreciate your work in helping some of that. Like I say, it's very encouraging to see people who are outside of hip hop having these conversations, seeing what hip hop can offer and then finding a way to apply that to their life so that, yeah, mm -hmm. not everything is hip hop, but you can have, uh, you can learn lessons from how, how hip hop and people who associated with hip hop call themselves hip hop, live hip hop, see the world and, and, and interact with it. Yes. And so I, yes. I think philosophy is a great intersection and I was really excited to talk to you about it and learn more about your work, man. It's pretty cool. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, listen, once the course is over, touch base again. Let me know how it turned out and love to know whatever else you're doing when it comes to, you know, the blending will, of these worlds. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Once again, I'm Manny Faces, and I thank you for listening to Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast. If you appreciated this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us at ratethispodcast.com slash hip hop. That's ratethispodcast.com slash hip hop. Easy to remember and very helpful to the cause. In addition, you can support the show and get some special offers at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Every penny goes into being able to continue this and other work that advocates for the use of hip hop music and culture to improve society and uplift humanity. Now, this show was created, edited, produced, and hosted by me under my production company, Manny Faces Media, in association with the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. And fun fact, I also produced the theme song. For more about my projects, including the award-winning social justice podcast, Newsbeat, information about my public speaking, my upcoming event calendar, and more, visit my online home base at mannyfaces.com. For all things Hip Hop Can Save America, visit hiphopcansaveamerica.com. Thank you for listening, sharing, supporting, and showing love. Appreciate ya. We're out. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. 
My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com. Filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Manny Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.